We are back, baby. We are back. That's we right. are back. You are looking live. We get after it. You know, we jabber jaw, we go tit for tat, we have our little differences. Let's get funky like a monkey. And here we go. Hello and welcome to the Moose and Rooney Podcast. This is episode 226 of the pod alongside Matt Rooney. I am Joe Musso here to bring you all of your sports stylings. Uh, Matt, plenty going on in the world of sports. We say hello here on a Tuesday with the NBA season set to tip off. Going to give you a little Bears-Packers debrief. Uh, schedule doesn't get any easier moving forward. Not sure who this team is. We're sort of in that week-to-week feel of, hey, the defense looks great. Hey, the defense is non-existent. Hey, the offensive play calling is great. What the hell is this? Uh, we're going to dig into all that. We're also going to give you some locks of the week. Matt comes back to earth here and drops one. Uh, I pick one up on him, so it's now just a game separation in your lock of the week chase. First and foremost, Matthew, how the heck are you? Uh, I'm doing good. I was in I was in rough shape on Sunday. That was a tough one for me. I wasn't I wasn't wasn't doing well for too long. But uh, I'm, I mean, I'm better now. I've taken tough a step week. Away from it. Tough week between the Sox. Yeah, it was um, not a good and, week for and the Bears. But we're a Sky Town now. It's it's we're, it's, we're, it's, we're it's Chicago, Chicago. Sky Town. They it's they Sky saved Chicago. us. They saved us. Um, the parade, I believe, is underway as we speak right now. Um, hang a banner, why don't you? You know, feel great. All jokes aside, like absolutely thrilled for Candace Parker to do what she's yeah, done. Yeah, that's a really cool. Everybody story. wrote wrote her off two years ago. She wins Defensive Player of the Year a year ago. Comes to Chicago, wins a championship in her first year, and like this is a team that with a couple weeks left in the season might not have even been a playoff team. So, uh, hat tip and a golf clap to Candace and crew. But uh, we got to talk Bears here. The Packers better us once again and it was sort of I mean before we dig into the, the details of it Matt just from like a an emotional standpoint yeah I was you know I was in it you know they score on that early drive and you're feeling good about the offense and then the offense kind of sputters the rest of the half but we only go into half down three I think we were chasing if I'm not mistaken or was it seven three yes 14 seven uh, whatever. 14, they might, whatever. It was, whatever either, it, was. it was a one-score game at halftime. I don't remember. It was a one-score game at half, um, and I think that just goes to show – It was 10-7. Who, just looked it up. Yeah, it just goes to show who this coaching – or you know what you're going to get out of this coaching staff. We're going to get out-coached by most teams coming out of the break, and that's exactly what happened. Um, Aaron Rodgers turns it on. Devontae Adams finds himself wide open on a number of different plays. It's just a script we had seen so many times before, and even with Rodgers' I own you proclamation – it, um, I think deep down inside, uh, that's exactly what I expected to happen, so it didn't hit me that hard. It's like, yeah, this is what's been going on. I'm almost looking forward to, and this could be a false hope, only having to play Aaron Rodgers in a Green Bay Packers uniform one more time because the better and better they look, the more and more solid they look as a team, the more convinced I am that they're going to make some sort of resolution there um, and, and move forward, and he'll continue to dominate the Chicago Bears until it's all said and done for Rodgers. But... Um, going a little bit too macro there, coming back down to earth. What were your major takeaways here from from this ball game? Um, it's kind of it's just what were it's reminded me a lot of last year's Bears Packers game where the Bears had them at home where they played them kind of tough early and then Rodgers kind of did what he did second half adjustments they ended up scoring and, and putting the game away. But it's it's what we've talked about with Matt Nagy now for three years the inability of not just him, I guess this coaching staff, but I don't really know. Who, I, I don't want to put it on the defense because yeah. I think the defense played fine. You told me they, they held Aaron Rodgers to 24 points after this. I have taken that. I think you probably would too last week. Um, 
they came out with a great first 12 plays, scripted game plan, all that kind of stuff. They, they mixed it up. They, they ran the ball a little bit. They pushed the ball down the field, all that good stuff. Cool. And then, Herbert looks awesome. And then that was the last we saw of that game plan. After that drive, yeah. that game plan went completely out the window. It, it was like they, it, it was like, oh, well, my script's different, and I actually have to think of what I want to call. I, I don't again. That's where I don't know where Bill Lazor factors, and I think he's calling most of the plays. But then, does Matt Nagy give him what he wants to do specifically on certain plays, or does he want to run, or what, you know, what's going on like that? And I it leads me to believe it's Matt Nagy because this has been a problem since before Bill Lazor was the quote unquote offensive coordinator. Um, but inability to coach in game and adjust gets you absolutely nowhere in the NFL. It's going to beat it. it keeps you almost in purgatory if you know how to game plan but not adjust because it's the same old Bears formula we've seen for the last few, three years. They, they win a couple games against bad teams. We get hyped up for a good game. They lose that game fairly handedly. They bounce back, and, and now they're not going to have the chance to bounce back against bad teams because they have a tough schedule here. But it's just they can't be good teams because they can't coach. They can't, they can't adjust. And the NFL is a league of adjustments from game to game, week to week, season to season. It's about adjusting, and they can't do that. And I, because if you take a look at this, you strip the teams away, you strip the names away, and you just look at the box score by the numbers. It's almost mirror images of one another. Um, they possess minutes, then we get first down, they two, uh, third down efficiency. Green Bay was two of eight. The problem was getting them to third down in this game. We were four of eleven. Uh, fourth down efficiency, we we got one of two. They went one of one. Total yards, they bettered us by fifty yards. We both ran fifty-seven plays yards per play. We were we were, we were at about five a pop. They were at five a five point seven a pop. Uh, passing yards, we weren't even trounced by Rodgers, one ninety-five to one seventy-four. It's hard to explain why this team isn't better than they are. And it always has been. And I think that one of the explanations to this sort of uh, incongruity here in why they just don't bring a consistent a consistent product to the field week in and week out has to be the tone setters. And I'm not talking about, um, you know, we, we've long exhausted the Khalil Mack, Robert those guys look like two of the better pass rushers in the game right now. Akeem Hicks even looked better up the middle. Um, the second level looks okay. The back end looks terrible. There's no willingness to tackle from anybody in that secondary, and I'm not going to even just go to Eddie Jackson specific. Um, Jalen Johnson was out of position, got beat a number of times, and yes, you're trying to guard Devontae Adams one-on-one in the slot, but you want to be the dude, you got to be the dude. This is when you state your claim of being one of those dudes, and uh, he got you know beat like a fill in the blank there for the majority of the day. The tone setter for me has to be at the coaching level. Like Matt Nagy, I don't, I don't think there's a, a whole lot of belief in Matt Nagy as a head coach. I don't think that these guys play for the head coach, and that's further illustrated by how big of a difference you saw when the quarterbacks changed. They're playing for the guys on the field, you know? They, didn't necessarily, they weren't necessarily riled up by Andy Dalton being under center. Then you see that little bit of bump from fields just in terms of everybody wanting to play for the guy. I, I don't think that there is a – I don't think that they're moving in lockstep. I don't think that the team moves in unison. And that allows the sudden change and big shifts in the game to just damn you immediately because, you know, perfect example of a team that punched and counterpunched all night was the Tennessee Titans on Monday Night Football a night yep. ago. You, they could have at 
12 different junctures that game, packed it in, and said the Buffalo Bills are the best team in the AFC. Let's lay down. They didn't. They counterpunched. They kept coming back. You saw a team that not only played for each other but plays for the coach. I just don't think that the Chicago Bears are a – I don't think they're a galvanized unit. I don't think that there is any sense of all for one, one for all. And these are, you know, platitudes and generalities. But when you look at the numbers, the numbers don't tell you that this is a bad football team. So it's got to be something else. And for me, it's the fact that there's little buy-in. It's it's almost like there's a here we go again type feel to it vibe when you're seeing them like the, the offense. Yeah, came, but then well, you I, know I'm, I'm you agreeing. can't buy into that. No, I'm, I know, I'm, oh, I'm but, but, but you can't buy into that self fulfilling prophecy if you're one of those guys. In exactly. The if and you're that, saying here we are again, it's going to go like this, then it's going to go like that. Yeah, and that's why that's why I'm fully agreeing with you. There needs to be a change in leadership from the top. There mm-hmm. needs to be. I mean. It's it's hard as a player, no matter how hard you try to not have that seep in a little bit, especially when you have a guy who's been leading you through these battles and their head coach who's been losing you in these these types of battles. These these Bears Packers games largely have started out this way since this since Matt Nagy took the helm at this rivalry of the Bears kind of getting a good start and then falling down the wayside, not knowing what to do when things start to go wrong and kind of and kind of going down their leg a little bit. And that's just, again, what happened here. Things went well early on. They went down, scored. The defense came out, fired up, played a really good first drive, all that kind of stuff. And then one thing leads to another, and they have no one to kind of snap them out of it. I think eventually yeah. that's going to be your quarterback in Justin Fields, who I think is really, really good. But at the same time, if you don't, have a coach that knows how to put him in the right spot to succeed, especially early on, it's really hard for him to do the right thing. Like he did something I haven't seen a bears quarterback do in in years, which was actually try and go deep on what was an offsides play. That's not why the bears lost the game. The, the officiating was, but was the officiating a, a was turning point, but that was a turning point in the game. But I think I, I, that was, it's a guy who was trying to do some things when given the opportunities, it's just, he mm-hmm. wasn't being put in a position to, take those opportunities it was just it was turn the ball run it was turn the ball hand it off throw the ball out to the flat turn the ball hand it off throw the ball out to the flat maybe throw whatever a a five yard something like that there was just no after the two throws he made he made one on the the deep out to darnell mooney that was a really nice throw on second and long and then he dropped one in a bucket to Allen robinson on a corner route in between three three defenders to, to make the pick up the first down in the third and seven or whatever it was after that, we just we didn't see him challenge downfield at all, and that comes to the play calling. That there's comes there's to the no crea- there's no creativity. No, there's no creativity, and and I almost hesitate to use the word creativity because I think that this coaching staff, Matt Nagy specifically, interprets that as something different. Like it's got to look like multi motion end around this and that. You don't have to do that type of stuff to be creative, but. If you're not taking vertical shots down the field with the way the game is officiated today, you are not doing justice by your offense. I I err on the side of take a shot every sixth play. And and I'm not saying be that, you know, be that predictable in it. But if you run 40 plays in in, in a given game, or let's say even more, you know, even more normal, let's say, let's say the offense is clicking. Let's say you run 60 plays. I need, I need seven shots down the field. I need six shots down the field. 
if you're not taking a shot down the field every tenth play, every eighth play, like what are you doing? You're not you're not stretching a defense out. You're not presenting a clear picture for your quarterback. Because anybody who wants to knock Justin Fields at this juncture, a few games into his career, yeah, I get it. Again, he's at a buck seventy four. He doesn't break that two hundred yard mark that you like to see. A touchdown, an interception, probably could have been another interception in the back of the end zone. Um, Sixteen completions on twenty seven attempts. The numbers aren't jumping off the page at you, but he's not being put in a position to have that breakout game. He's not being coached to do that. He's not, the play call is not facilitating him to do so. I really like most of what I'm seeing out of Justin Fields. The one thing that needs to be coached out of his game is his, I don't, I, I want to phrase this the proper way. His, I want, I don't want to call it an inability, but his willingness to hold the ball yep, until the last second, because he's so confident in his ability to escape the pocket. And I like that about him. And we've seen a lot of that. I mean, he ran for 43 yards and most, I don't think a whole lot of that came on designed run. A lot of it was broken play, flush the pocket, go yep, get eight, sure. go get 12, go get 15. Um, and I like that in his game, but at the same time, somebody's got to coach him up on first read, second read, check down, get out. Or he, he just, he's holding the ball a little too long for me. And he does have a little bit of that loopy um, throwing motion. And I'm not saying change that, but that further, the fumbles. That, but no, not just that. It further amplifies that, um, that extra split second in the pocket that allows for some of those sacks. Um, I'm thrilled with the way that Justin Fields has looked thus far. I'm worried about the people that are nurturing that talent. Yeah, uh, I couldn't agree with you more. I, I that if when you were talking about the the one thing that you know Justin Fields might need to work on, that's the exact thing that popped into my head too. I think he has a little bit of an issue right now, um, like you said, trying to extend the play too much. Where in the NFL, it's kind of a league of live to fight another down. Sometimes, not all the time, but sometimes. Uh, if, if it's not there one play, just get rid of it and, and live to fight another down. I think he's used to still being at Ohio State where he can get away from some defensive linemen. That's just something where he's going to get used to the game speed, and I think it takes a little bit of coaching, and it takes a couple sacks of, okay, you know what, I just can't do that anymore. And I think by this time next year, I, at least I would hope that with how smart of a player he is and how good of a player he is, I think that's something that might have been worked out if not by the coaches, by himself. But you're right. I don't trust the people developing him because there is no track record of knowing how to develop a quarterback. Like th- th- there's no track record of knowing how to handle a quarterback of this talent and, and or a quarterback really of any talent and growing them and nurturing them and, and, and coaching to their strengths. Because what we've seen in the past, obviously Mitch was nowhere near as talented of a quarterback, but it was the inability to figure out what he does well and coach those strengths. And I think so far with Justin Fields, we've seen a whole lot of the same offense we saw last year, which leads me to believe that it's just Matt Nagy knows one playbook and it's his. Yeah. And I think that the fact that, um, you know, we, we, we were pretty clear about our expectations coming into the season and what this team is capable of. The ceiling would be a wild card game. That means you're winning nine games. And I don't know if this team had, had, has nine games in them or had nine games in them at whatever part of the timeline we're having this conversation. But the big thing was is that you had to take steps forward as a franchise. You had to take steps forward as an offensive unit. You had to you know, get back to your ways a little bit as a defense. I think we've done that, as we've said here in the pass rush and getting after the quarterback. I think we still lead the league in sacks. But we're so stagnant offensively. And adding players is not – 
the only way to move forward. And it's not even the most productive way to move forward. There needs to be a philosophy change. There needs to be a new voice. There needs to be someone to believe in. Now, it's far too early to start having the conversation about who we want there, but like, does a Kellen Moore have that effect? Does a Byron Leftwich have that effect? Do you go defense with your head coach again? Um, I'm not sure I even trust the people all the way at the top to make the right decision to put the right person in the place to then spur that development. Um, it just, again, feels like as a Bears fan, we are left to run on the hamster wheel. And here we are in full sprint again, watching the Bears lose to the Packers, running nowhere on the hamster wheel. Um, I, I don't know. I, I, I'm obviously trying to be positive and, and pick things from this team that look great, whether it be the pass rush or Justin Fields flashes or the fact that we, you know, when we get everybody back, we have a three-headed monster in that backfield or that Darnell Mooney looks like he could have some parts of his game unlocked by the new guy or that uh, Allen Robinson has essentially kept his mouth shut for lack of a better term. Yep. Um, there's things that we can be positive about, but that positivity can only take you so far. I think we have reached the Matt Nagy ceiling. I, I really do. And I think that, you know, every single week they perform somewhere near that ceiling and, and it's not enough. And I think we've had enough. Um, and it's a long season. We're six weeks into a 18 week season, 17 games. And it doesn't get much easier as we stare down a, a matchup with, uh, who do we have coming up here? It's the 49ers Tampa. in two weeks. I think it's Tampa straight ahead. Then it's the Niners. Then the Ravens. I, it's not going to get a lot easier, and it's not going to get a lot prettier because I don't see them breaking through that naggy ceiling regardless of how good the guys play. I mean, maybe the the bright side to this – I fully agree with you, by the way. I think this might be a little bit better of a team in terms of talent than we gave them credit for. I do think the defense has a little bit more left in the tank than we might have thought, and I think that's partially because of what you were saying earlier, how you can tell they play for the quarterback because they believe in the quarterback. And I think this offense has like this offense has some juice in it. They got three pretty good running backs. They got two uh, very good wide receivers. They got a weapon in the, a couple weapons in the slot as well. Don't really know what you have out of the tight end yet, but that's again because I think you have a coach that doesn't lack know how to scheme. Lack of player you, development. Yeah, you don't like this. You don't have a coach that knows let's how just, to scheme for a tight end. They've never been able to. But like, let's just look at it in terms of the Bears-Packers rivalry throughout the last decade. Yes, the quarterback advantage is always going to go to them, regardless of who we draft, yeah. who we pick up, who we trade for. The quarterback advantage goes to Green Bay regardless of who they're playing. So let's wipe that out. They're always going to be better at quarterback. But what else does Green Bay do better than Chicago? Well, for Develop. the last, uh, the, the, just despite them not getting Rodgers a ton of pieces around him, still talking about Devontae Adams, you're still talking about uh, an offensive line that keeps him upright for the better part of the game. You're still talking about serviceable running backs beside him. They draft better. They develop better than most teams in the league. They get the most out of their players. They perform better. They execute better. Those are all things that are outside of the on-field performance. Those are all things that are outside of the player's control. Those are, those are management control. Those are coaching control in terms of development, in terms of assembling the roster, in terms of taking that roster and pushing it to its brink, pushing it to its maximum output. That's what the Green Bay Packers do. And that's why the Green Bay Packers have beat us and beat us and beat us and continue to beat us. And if nothing changes in terms of the way that we draft, 
the way that we develop, the way that we execute, then it's going to be the same outcome. And the only way that those three things change, drafting, development, execution, is if the people change. You're going to, you're going to continue to see the same results over and over with this group. I, I, I don't know why, I don't know why the fans, the media, and everybody in the NFL world belabors that point but change still doesn't occur. And is it time for change in the middle of a season? Again, I don't know. I don't have the answer to that question. I don't know where you go from here. I don't know if the team changes with Desai being the main voice, if he would be interim. I don't know. I think that this this goes far beyond a roster overhaul because I like the way that the guys are performing. I don't like the position they're being put in. Yeah, I just – we've said it before – the mark of a good coach is putting your players, your talent, your, your people around you in the best position to succeed. And I think week in and week out, we have a coach that just doesn't do that. I think he tries. I really do think he tries. And sometimes he lets his ego get, get in the way with well, the play calling. Not everybody's it's, cut it's, out yeah, for it. It's, you know? it's not good enough. And there has been something – even the year they, you know, the year they won, I went one of those one twelve four the division. I don't want to knock the offense, but even that year, the offense was more of a scored kind of when they had to, but they relied on the defense to make big plays, and they they kind of capitalized off that. Since that year, especially though, it's just it hasn't been a bad group of talent on the field. It's been young guys with promise that haven't been developed. And in, in terms of just the offense as a whole, there's been something holding them back and no one can ever really put their finger on the pulse of what it is. And it's, it's the coach outside. I'm sorry. Outside of the coach. I'm sorry. No one can put their finger outside of the coach. What it is. It's the, it's the coach. And I, I, I I don't want to get like it. We've I feel like we've had our anger episode, which unfortunately got deleted. Uh, we had our anger episode that's out there. I'm kind of past the point where I can get too hung up about it. But I I, I look into this these this next stretch of tough games, and there is no time for that bounce back against the Lions and the whoever to go get those two wins and get people feeling good about Matt Nagy again. I think. What's I want Justin Fields to look good, but I think what might happen these next couple of weeks is hopefully an eye opener for the front office that you know what every time we play one of these teams we're just not really there, and it's been that case for three years. And I think they're going to go to Tampa, and I think they're going to lose by two or three touchdowns. And I think they're going to play San Francisco, and they're going to struggle to score. I think they're going to play Baltimore, and Baltimore is going to do whatever they want with them. I just I, I, hopefully those three games, four games now with the Packers are a little bit of an eye opening stretch. It most definitely is. Um, it's going to be tough. I want to get to a couple more topics here before we put Bears Packers to sleep. Sure. Uh, Eddie Jackson has to be talked about. Eddie Jackson has to be dealt with. What's wrong? What's what's happening? Um, he's blowing coverages. He's coming up on run fills and just whiffing. He's uh, trying to push the best receiver in the league out from the hash with a simple shoulder. Uh, that's not development. That is regression. We've we've seen what Eddie Jackson is capable of. That's why they gave him the richest safety contract at the time in the NFL per year. That's why he was paid. Um, is this to you as simple as guy got paid, guy stopped working? Yep. I, I hate – I really don't like that narrative because I don't want to believe that there's a lot of – Pro athletes that are like that, even though there certainly are, but it, it does happen. And I, I mean, this is a different player. When Eddie Jackson was 
a young, you know, starting safety fourth round pick out of Alabama. He wasn't afraid to get physical. He wasn't afraid to get in plays. He wasn't afraid to make tackles. And I, I don't know why after he got paid, he seems like he has no interest in sacrificing his body because he already has the money. But like, he's just a different player. He doesn't, you can tell he's going through the motions. You can tell he's making business decisions all over the field. And it's just, I, I was texting with uh, with friend of the podcast Brett Strelchek, who was Brett was a defensive player his entire life, and and he's very upset with the the heart and you know the heart and effort out of this defense. And I just kind of respond like, man, I got no problem with the way the the front seven played. I think they get beat sometimes, sure, but I think they they fought till the end. I don't really have that big of a problem with a lot of the secondary. I mean, Jalen Johnson did get beat on that play, and and that's shouldn't have happened. But you know what? Four receptions, 89 yards, with one of those being a 41-yard reception to Devontae Adams. I can live with that day against the best receiver in football. The problem is Eddie Jackson, is he's the man in the middle of that defense. The defense is going to operate as, as well as he's operating because of how much runs through him, and he's operating at half speed right now. He's the one guy that you look at that team that I, I'm probably more mad at than I am Matt Nagy because there's so much talent, there's so much skill. There, there's we, We've seen it in the past years, and since he – hurt himself against Green Bay in that division clincher a couple of years ago, he hadn't been the same player. And I don't know if that's because he got hurt or that's because he got paid and just doesn't really care as much anymore. But all he really cares about is talking and selling his cereal box and, and apparently calling out franchise icons. It's, uh, it, it's really unfortunate. And it's one of the, it's one of the countless lists of empty money being spent on this team. So for us to think that, this is the way the money's being dispatched. This is a guy coaching the team. I just can't expect any other outcome than what we're seeing right now. It's yeah. fun to get excited when they rip one off and they look good, and we'll probably have a couple more weeks like that this season. But truth be told, at the core of it all, this is football purgatory, and we've been here for a decade, and it yeah. stinks. It absolutely stinks. Um, Aaron Rodgers let us know that, that we exist in football purgatory, if not uh, somewhere in hell. Um, with the I, yep. I fucking own you all yep. my fucking life. I fucking own you. It's uh, true. Pardon, pardon the language here. This is Moose and Rune's uh, uh, After Dark, perhaps. Hannah earmuffs. But uh, I had I had absolutely no problem with it. No, go for um, it. He does. I don't care. I, I, I it stinks, but if anything. Do it again uh, when we when we meet in Lambo. Uh, do it do it to our sideline when we meet in Lambo. Yeah. Let let the old let the old lady and the son upstairs know that the more you don't own the team. Aaron Rodgers owns yeah. this team. Let them know. The more we're embarrassed, the more we are aired out in public. The more we are made the uh, you know the more we are played the fool. I think the better because I can deal with it. I, I don't I don't own the team. I don't play for the team. I just root for the team, and it stinks. But I know to expect what to expect from this team. Maybe the McCaskies upstairs have a, have a different expectation. Hopefully, they have a different expectation. If you own an NFL team and you are not doing everything to put your team in the position to win the most games possible, to be contending for a Super Bowl, then what the hell are you doing other than running General Mills or uh, running Kellogg's or uh, running IBM? You're running a business. You're running a corporation. You know, and if that's your focus, then get the hell out. You you could take a walk too. You could sell it too, because there's there's no room for it anymore. If the expectation upstairs is not to win a Super Bowl, then that's exactly why we're in football purgatory. Those people need to be embarrassed. And not I th us. I think the one thing in years past that has done that has been most effective has been the Packers. That that the 
owners of this organization in the the in Virginia and Georgia and all them live to beat the Packers more than anything. And if you have Aaron Rodgers and you have the well, Packers, it's, it's, it's a it's a it's, it's no, no disrespect, fail. no disrespect. If that's what they live for, it's a real surprise they're still around. That's a good point. Um, you know? But I, I I think getting embarrassed on that front by that organization is it. it, it hopefully is the catalyst to spark change because it has in the past. And I think that's the one thing that kind of opens their eyes. And hopefully the truth in that statement kind of opened their eyes. He's 22 and five against you in the last, uh, with the last three years, what they got the one win in the year they went, the Packers went five and 11. We, we, yep. barely, we beat him at home, like almost barely it, it, to, to clinch the division, you know, but it was a 24, 16, something like that. Like, they own you. He owns you. You you just keep embracing the status quo. They went and fired two years ago a head coach who'd won him a Super Bowl and had been there forever and hired a you know a thirty five year old kid because they thought that was what's best for their franchise. Meanwhile, we like the guy who just got embarrassed on the Nickelodeon really, game in the playoffs. Like, there's nobody better to have a drink with though. There's nobody. There's not a nicer guy in football. They what was the word Coll- collaboration in the. Collaborate. I think is. I think it was that they collaborate really well at Hallis Hall. They should collab. They should collaborate on his buyout. Is what they should collaborate on. Mm-hmm. Um, Matt, I'm done with Bears Packers. I'm done talking about the Bears. Uh, three and three. It's who we are. It's who we've always been. It's who we will continue to be. Let's talk about biggest winners and losers across the NFL this week. Uh, you want to lead us off here with a winner? Um. Yeah. Let me pull up the schedule here. Can I go? I'm going to go right. with my loser first, if that's okay. Uh, Unless okay, you want to yeah, start with loser. your winner. Go, I was going to give you a winner here. Okay, go and with your winner. We'll, me, we'll start on a high note. Go for it. I'll have my winner uh, by the for time me, you're done. Another great week. Action-packed top to bottom. You got some of the top teams in the league playing really well right now. We're obviously talking about the Arizona Cardinals being 5-0. and Yes, it's a misstep for the Buffalo Bills, but they look solid. Um, the Chiefs seem to have fallen from grace. There's a couple teams we're not talking about enough right now, and it's weird to say it, but we are not talking about the Cowboys enough. Uh, the way they won that game, the way they battled. We always talk about how there's so much value in winning different ways and being in different situations. And, you know, they found themselves in a game maybe that they expected to not be in a game that tight, but the way that they played down the stretch, the way that they continued to rally, I think the Cowboys are my biggest winner partially because teams are, you know, maybe – overshadowing them right now, stealing a little bit of their shine. Always, It's always the Cowboys are the headliner, regardless mm-hmm. if they're good, bad, or otherwise. It's the best Cowboys team we've seen in a very long time, and I Easily. don't think people are talking about them very much, and that's why they're my biggest winner coming out of Week 6. I, for my, I, first off, I totally agree with you. They, they showed that they can win different ways. They showed, showed that they can kind of come from behind when they had to. They can win when things aren't going perfectly well because that was one of the games they this year they actually had some adversity they had to come back mm-hmm. from, and they did just that. Um, I have anytime a, you go into Foxborough and win, it's, it's yeah. a, it's a big one, you it's, know, totally agree. Brady, Belichick, crap, whoever. It's a big one. If you go into, if you go in and take one off of, off of bill, let alone set offensive records against him. Uh, I got a couple ideas for a winner here. I got part of me wanted to say the Bengals, but I think we'll have a better, I, I'll, I'll know if they're a winner or loser after next week when they go to Baltimore, I believe it is. This one's a little bit off the beaten path, but for me, my winner is Trevor Lawrence. Uh, not necessarily okay. good, good for the Jacksonville Jaguars, by the way, snapping that losing streak. And uh, I believe they hadn't made a field goal all season. If that's, that uh, I correct. believe that's correct. And then they drilled two, two fifty plus yarders in the last four minutes. So that kicker as well, can't remember his name off the top of my head, but that, that fella, you're a winner as well. But uh, Trevor Lawrence, the last, with, with 
all the adversity in Jacksonville, having a head coach who might not know what he's doing, being a in playing for an, an awful team, not a great organization, all that good stuff. Trevor Lawrence has taken steps every week, it seems. He's getting better and better as the weeks go on. He was yeah, that really rough opener in Houston. He's gotten better, and, and this week, I thought especially, he made some big-time throws and big-time plays when they really needed it. He didn't take care – he didn't turn over the fo- football. Sorry, he took care of the football. And on fourth and seven or whatever it was, fourth and six, the 40-whatever, he stepped into a quick slant and just threw an absolute – dart to pick up the first down when his team absolutely needed it the yeah. most. And obviously we expect big things from, from Trevor Lawrence and people were a little bit upset. He didn't come out starting, you know, like gangbusters, but he's gotten better every week. And this week was a whole lot of fun to watch him. I don't know if everybody caught him in the London game. Cause it was an early kickoff, but I just, the Jaguars aren't going anywhere this year. They're not going to win a whole lot of football games, but they're similarly to how I'm thinking with the bears, with Justin Fields. If, if Trevor Lawrence takes positive steps and gets better every week, that's going to be considered a successful season. Trevor Lawrence is taking positive steps every week. He's getting better every week, and I thought this was against not a very good team, but his his best week yet. And I thought he made some fantastic throws. Yeah, it was uh, it was the type of development you're looking for when you have a rookie quarterback that you're putting the weight of a franchise on his shoulders, no doubt. Uh, I also want to give an honorable mention here uh, as a winner, a big winner this week to uh, the Las Vegas Raiders. Yep. Every excuse in the world to pack it up and take a loss with all the noise surrounding that team. They seem to rally. They seem to, um, you know, shrug it off and say, you know, we're going to go out there and play 60 minutes of football. Not that the Broncos are anything special, but they've historically had a hard time in Denver. They come out of there with a 10-point win. That's a honorable mention winner. It was uh, For me – it was almost like last week was their their shock and awe Gruden week, if that makes sense. And this week was kind of like the we're finally they by knew the, the shoe was going to drop. They, they and had now to it's have like, known that yeah. last week more was coming. And yeah. I mean, I guess it's good that it happened against the Bears, but who cares really? Um, yeah. It seemed like that was their going through the motion shock and awe. This is weird week, and then this week was kind of like, kind of like a galvanizing, like all right, you know what? It's done. It's over with us against the world. Let's go play. And they did that. Uh, I'm struggling to choose on my biggest loser. I'm stuck between two here. So, again, I'm going to give you an honorable mention, biggest loser, the Miami Dolphins. Not yeah. just this week, not just losing to the Jaguars, but the expectation. This year. We're a, ten, we're a 10-win team last year. We're a 10-win team. Not only are you 1-5, you might be in the quarterback market. I'll raise my hand and say you better be. You are in the quarterback uh, market. Your, your defense doesn't look like anything to write home about. The, the backfield is terrible. There's There's nothing there. For the Miami Dolphins. They're my honorable mention biggest loser. My biggest loser coming out of week six is the Pittsburgh Steelers. Yes, they do win 23-20 in overtime against Geno Smith Seahawks, but Ben Roethlisberger is holding this team hostage. Mm-hmm. Um, he can't do it anymore, plain and simple. Like, they might be better off bringing in the back – what's the kid's name? Uh, who they got Mason Rudolph, and then they also, Rudolph, have, Rudolph. they also have Dwayne Haskins in the building. Whatever. One of those two guys should be starting, but can you really sit down a guy who's going to have a gold jacket on? It's a tough decision to make for Mike Tomlin, for the Roonies, for that whole franchise. The Giants but did it. They did. They, they did. As and much I think it that sucked, that's, they did it. I think that that's where the Pittsburgh Steelers are right now. Um, Roethlisberger, I don't believe, attempted a pass longer than 12 yards. There might have been one 15- or 16-yard attempt. He just doesn't – he no longer – or excuse me, completion. He attempted mm-hmm. balls long, but they were – nowhere near targets like he can no longer push the ball past the sticks and it's sad to watch they're my biggest loser because they're handcuffed to a quarterback who's taken them nowhere 
I like that a lot. I, I fully agree with you. I've been kind of saying everybody's been saying that for the last few weeks because it's mm-hmm. it's just true, and it's it's sad to see a guy like that. But almost so getting beat by so Geno long, Smith I, at I home in prime time. Like it. if, yeah. you kind of thought that if 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 Ben had you know still had it when he really needed to dig deep, that that would have been a Sunday night football game against a team like the Seahawks where he'd do it, but. He, didn't um there were a couple losers this week i was between two part of me wanted to say the panthers but when it's all said and done the the bucks are going to win that division and and the panthers are maybe going to be a wild card team at best uh the cleveland browns for me are the the biggest losers um I, i know the arizona cardinals are good they're a very good football team they they Right now, are obviously six and zero. Look like they have a very good chance to win that West. All all that good stuff, but man, you let them come in uh, in your home field and just get absolutely stomped. Baker Mayfield, a semi efficient line, I guess, but he struggled again. The, the defense or the offense lost Kareem Hunt. The, the secondary just gets absolutely torched. Um, you, you can't in a big game like that when you want to be the the Cleveland Browns. Who you know you're led by Baker, who's this this guy with a ton of moxie and then he's he's all chesty and all that kind of stuff you, you can't have that attitude that belief and then come and get absolutely shelled at home like you just did um yep. so so for me also in a, in a week where their biggest counterparts in the division the baltimore ravens absolutely went out and looked fantastic they probably would have been my winner if they weren't my winner last week um mm-hmm. They, they look that good against the contender and the Chargers, and you go lay an egg like this at home. And I'm not saying you had to go beat the Cardinals, but, man, like you just no-showed. You completely yeah. no-showed at home against the, a very good but beatable team. That's that's a tough, tough look for me. Yeah, and not only that, they move into a short week playing a Thursday night football game with like half of their roster either hurt or against, heading to the against, IR. Against a team that plays really good defense. Hey, say what you want about Denver's offense. They play really good defense. They do. Chubb's got a calf. Hunt's got a calf. Baker's shoulder won't stop coming out of the socket. Like it's just one thing after another yeah. for this team. Uh, Odell has to take a trip up the up the the tunnel at least once a game. Mm-hmm. It's, Jarvis has got an injury. Like it's just. Do I think they're a playoff team still? Yeah, I, I think yes, so. yes, because of the amount of talent on that team. But talent only plays when talent plays. Mm-hmm. Um, and you might want to write that down because I just made that up. That's really good. Um, to remind me of somebody, that somebody put that on a T-shirt. That'll be our third. Yeah, yeah. Talent only, talent only plays when talent plays. With a picture of the Browns logo, or uh, a, co- a tweaked one, so we don't run into copyright issues. You know what's fun about talent? There's some talent in Chicago, and we're talking about the Chicago Bulls season tips off on Wednesday. We've I already said given that you in a while. We've already given you uh, a pair of overplays on the Bulls. I believe that's ticked up to forty three and a half. Where do we? Where do we have the conversation at? Forty one and a half. 41 and a half. 41 and a half. I think, I, I think it's climbing. Um, I think that it's continuing that does not to climb. Shock me. The Bulls are a uh, the Bulls seem to be a, a, a darling of the of the Sharps and, and Vegas right uh, now in terms of let's, total. Let's broaden our scope a little bit here. Uh, opening night here on Tuesday night with the Lake Show and the Warriors wrapping up the action, preceded by the defending champion Bucks and the uh, Brooklyn Nets in a rematch of the semifinal Eastern Conference semifinal a, a year ago. A lot of fun. Going to be a lot of action tonight. Probably little defense played this early in the season. But, Matt, let's talk NBA title. Let's talk matchup. East-West, who represents it? What's your what's your NBA final matchup this year? I got to go with Brooklyn uh, coming out of the East. I just – I think they are 
the best team. I think they have the best players with or without Kyrie. I still think they figure it out. It'll provided everybody stays healthy. I know KD and James Harden sometimes, at least last year, a little bit had those issues. Um, they're my pick out of the Eastern Conference. I'm going to have you take your Eastern Conference pick now, and then I'm going to take a look at the West because I'm not 100% sold on the West, though. So I got Brooklyn I, East. Who do you got in the East? I gave you this pick when they raised the banner last year, and I think it's going to be the Brooklyn Nets in a landslide out of the East. I think we're going to see very much a year two Miami Heat um, where the group has come together. Now, yeah, it's a little bit shaky here with, with Kai's absence and what's going to happen there, but James Harden, Kevin Durant is more than you could ever need. Um, Joe Harris, for as poor as he played in the playoffs, I think it's a really nice supporting piece. He got you know, DeAndre inside. Like They're, they're just really well constructed with or without Kyrie, and I think that <laughs> – the uh, you know that uh, that cliche of unfinished business is going to kind of ring in their ears all season long. I, I think, and, and Vegas, Vegas is completely oh yes, themselves away from any sort of Brooklyn exposure. They're the and they're the favorites to win the finals uh, at two it's like, to one. It's like not they're, even they're, close. They're, yeah, they're giving you they're giving you nothing there. I think next closest is the Lakers at four to one, which makes no sense to me because. That's yet to be seen with that roster for me, so we shall see. Um, obviously, that is not my pick coming out of the West. So, Matt, why don't you lead us off with your pick coming Matt, out of the West? I, I don't know if you're on the same page here. I wouldn't be surprised if we are, but I'm going to go Golden State. I, I think they okay. got – with Clay Thompson coming back healthy – I think that rejuvenates that roster a little bit. It takes, obviously, the pressure off Steph. I know Clay's not starting the year, but they expect him back pretty pretty soon after that um there is no i know the lakers are all, are going to be the favorite because of lebron and all that but i just i don't think that roster really works all that well together it feels a lot like last year's lakers team where they just took a lot of older names and tried to throw them on a roster and i'm not tr- mm-hmm. so sure that's going to work I, I i just think that steph and clay and draymond to an extent have one more run i don't hate the rest of that roster with, with james wiseman with andrew wiggins i think otto porter jr is a nice player off the bench and obviously here he was expected to be like the star of the team which wasn't obviously going to work but i, I like what they have there utah is going to be good i just don't know if they can score enough um i like denver as well but i just mm-hmm. it's similar to why when do they get your mall back yeah when when, when is, when's he coming back how's he going to come back and like we've seen with philly as much as we love joel Embiid, it's it's hard to win in today's nba when when the center is your focal point um i, I i'm gonna roll the dice with golden state because i i think those guys got one more run and i don't see another team that really sticks out as the team to beat in the west yeah and i don't think there is a team to beat the lakers are going to tell you that it's them and the media is probably going to tell you that it's them as well but i i just don't see it as such um you laid it out nicely there i like the nuggets i think they might find themselves in a western conference finals i like utah um i like golden state but i think they're a little bit guard heavy they've always been a little bit guard Mm -hmm. heavy but like like is wiseman gonna hold them back um is can draymond be a young version of Draymond. I think there's just a, like, what is Clay going to look like? There's a, there's lot, a of lot of questions. There. Now, and the constant is Steph doing what Steph did last year. Um, probably should have won an MVP. Um, can he replicate that? No doubt in my mind that he's capable of it. But when we're talking about a complete team to represent the Western Conference. I like the Clippers. I, I really do. And I think that that history points you a million other directions because the Clippers just always find a way not to do it. But 
with um, with some of those Kawhi concerns at least put to the side for a little bit of time, uh, how long, how, how much size they have, and with how wide open the West is, I think this is the perfect opportunity for the Clippers um, to take it to an NBA Finals and lose to the Brooklyn Nets. Yeah, I, I don't hate that pick either. I just, with Kawhi's knee and all that uncertainty and where that mm-hmm. I just have no I, – I think they are the most talented team in the West. It's just I don't know how much I can trust them. Uh, it's, 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 it's a, there's a lot of question marks, different question marks than the issues. ones you have at Golden State. Yeah, <laughs> than, than the ones Golden State has. I guess I just – in my gut feeling, I trust Steph and Clay more than I trust Kawhi and Paul George. But if you tell me the Clippers mm-hmm. are facing the Nets in the NBA Finals, would not shock me because this also, like you said, a year where there's not that – clear juggernaut that kind of seems like the year that Kawhi and Paul George without much pressure without that big of a, an opponent live up to their hype and, and, and go win because they don't have to overcome some monster uh, Matt let's get to some locks of the week before we say goodbye to the people you sit at five and two I sit at four and three don't call it a comeback see uh, C- shout out to CD lamb that was the only way I was cashing yeah. minus that was a great there, game so. that was that was a fun it was a really good game, game. Uh, I'm going to lead us off here. I'm going to give you an underplay. Didn't love any of the any of the game lines, essentially, or I didn't love any favorites. Mm-hmm. Kind of big numbers. Didn't love any of the dogs. Number wasn't Weird big enough. Uh, Browns, Broncos, Thursday night under 42 and a half. I do not see both of these teams scoring 20 points. Maybe one team's I, – I see a – I see a 24-10 Browns win here. Again, you said the Broncos' defense. It's really solid. Offense can't score any points. The Browns are beat up. I don't know what Baker can muster on a short week and just how thinned out that roster is. It's a low number at 42.5, but I don't think it's low enough. Take it under the 42.5. I like that pick, mainly because, I, like you're saying, don't trust the uh, Broncos' offense, and I I don't know how healthy the Browns' offense is. Um, I was going to go college ranks, but Matt Carell's health is uncertainty. So it is uncertain. Mm-hmm. So I'm avoiding that one. Don't want to go near it. If he's not going to play, uh, I'm going to go with the chiefs laying four and a half at Tennessee. Uh, I think Tennessee looked good last night. I know they run the ball well, and I know the chiefs don't defend the run all that well, but I just think that's a, I think that's a little bit of an overreaction type number to to how good Tennessee looked last week. And I think there is a big enough sample size to see that they're kind of up and down. Their defense isn't all that great. And as bad as Kansas City looked in the first half against Washington, I thought they bounced back pretty well and seemed to find something a little bit in that second half. So I'm going to uh, I'm going to roll the dice there and say that's a bit of an overreaction to, to what we saw from Tennessee last night and lay the four and a half with KC. I like that play as well. Matt, you got anything else for the people before we bid them adieu? Uh, we're not avoiding the Blackhawks. I'm too angry to talk about them right now. We're going to give them another week. I don't know if they deserve it. That's why we're if, giving uh... them another week. <laughs> okay. Okay. Let's give them another week. We'll do a, a Matt's hockey five Some. minutes next yeah, there week. You go. All right. So you, you prepare yourself. Uh, let, let that angst build a little bit, and we will uh, tackle that. Um, give me, a give me time. a, give me a spot in the East where the Bulls finish this year, and then we'll send the people on their way. I think the Bulls go into the playoffs as the five seed in the Eastern Conference this year. I'm going to say they have a home playoff series. I'm going to say they're the four seed. I, I was between four and five, but I think I'm just like, it's a tough jump to make. Yeah, um, very. I think they're, I think they have the team to do it. So, let's go Bulls. Let's go Hawks. I guess bear down, however you want to say it. But don't forget, it's a sky town for Matt Rooney. I am Joe Musso. Matt, say goodbye to the people. Later.
May God give you for every storm a rainbow, for every tear a smile, for every care a promise, and a blessing in each trial. I swear I've seen a lot of stuff in my life, but that was awesome. Chicken on the steak was phenomenal.